Boom, shake the room, Fire Nation. JLD here with an audio masterclass that really could change a lot in what you do in your life. There are very few books, I can be honest, that really do that for me. But the guest today, Dr. Stephen Gundry, wrote the book, The Plant Paradox. And I'm telling you, I personally reached out to him to have him on the show. And I cannot wait for this conversation. The audio masterclass is How to Die Young at a very old age. So this is just a great topic that we're going to talk about today. It was an amazing book. I highly recommend it. We're going to talk about what the heck are lectins and their effect on us, about reversing disease via the lectin-free diet, and key supplements to take for longevity. So it's just a few of the things we're going to be really diving into today. Dr. Stephen Gundry is going to be dropping some value bombs. You're not going to want to miss this. He is the author of two New York Times bestselling books, The Plant Paradox and The Plant Paradox Cookbook, and the pioneering expert on the lectin-free diet for reversing disease. So right when we get back from thanking our sponsor, we will kick right in. Big shout out to ClickFunnels for sponsoring today's episode. Fire Nation, ClickFunnels gives you everything you need to market, sell, and deliver your products online without having to hire or rely on a tech team. Visit eofire.com slash click for your free 14-day trial of ClickFunnels. That's eofire.com slash click. Your future awaits. So Dr. Gundry, say what's up to Fire Nation and then share something interesting about yourself that most people don't know. Well, what's up to Fire Nation? I talk about this on one of my videos, but I was reminded of it this morning at a uh, circuit Pilates course. Uh, I used to be a Diet Coke addict, and I actually drank about eight Diet Cokes a day. And I thought that that was really good because it didn't have any calories. And as I've talked at length, it was really one of the dumbest things I did for my health. And the reason I just kind of thought about that is there's a A young lady, um, Nancy, came up to me today and she said, you know, I just happened upon one of your videos on the internet. And she said, I saw that you were a Diet Coke addict. And she said, I usually drink seven Diet Cokes a day. And I want to tell you that four months ago, I went cold turkey. I gave it up after watching your dumb video. And I can't (laughs) tell you how much better I feel just doing that one thing. And she said, I can't thank you enough. So there you go. Man, I love that share. Awesome, awesome stuff. So Fire Nation, if you're in that category, get up on YouTube, find that video. It's not dumb, it's awesome and make that happen. So what are we talking about today? Well, we're talking about how to die young at a very old age. You see how I kind of paused there because I wanted you to think, what was he talking about? No, it's how to die young at a very old age, Fire Nation. So listen to this interview to pull out some value bombs from Dr. Gundry. And I want to talk first and foremost about the longevity problem. There's a legit longevity problem that we're sharing or that we are experiencing right now. So share some of the stats about this problem. Well, you know, the scary thing that the National Institutes of Health have put out and other groups have put out is that unless something is done soon, the kids of the baby boomer generation, Gen Xers, will probably be the first generation that will have a shorter lifespan than their parents. And that's actually been confirmed in in several surveys and several policy statements. And how can you how can you say such a thing? I mean, we're getting healthier, we're living longer. Well, not so fast. Um, as I point out 
in my current book, The Plant Paradox, if you look at baby boomers, my generation, uh, baby boomers are actually, you take any year of their life, they're sicker, less healthy than their parents. And ours was the first generation that thought we were going to live forever. And we've unfortunately found out that's not true. But we're on more medications than our parents were at any particular year in life. And we're on track to have definitely old age, but we're going to have very poor old age. And that's one of the things that we're all, that I'm trying to prevent, and many of us in this area are trying to prevent. We may be living longer, but we're actually living less well. So our health span is actually dramatically deteriorating. And so that's happening to the boomers, the Gen Xers. Not only will their health span deteriorate, but it looks like if we don't change course, their lifespan will actually be shorter. Mm. Not good. Fire Nation, this is not good. And this is a trend that, by the way, isn't just happening over the last couple of weeks or months, but this has been happening for the last few years. I mean, I took so many notes going through the plant paradox. I actually currently have on my kitchen table right now the plant paradox cookbook because this is something that I'm really committed to. I mean, I know that I've been dealing with inflammation in my body for years and years and years now because of the foods that I put in. You know, I thought that I was eating healthy and in a lot of ways I am, but you know, just because it's a quote unquote healthy food it might not be reacting healthy for you. And that's what I learned so much, by the way, for the first time ever, Dr. Gundry, about lectins and what Uh, their effect is on us. So break that down for us. Lectins are plant proteins that are used as a major defense system of the plant against being eaten, but even more importantly, against the plant's babies, its seeds, against being eaten. And lectins are what are called sticky proteins. They were actually discovered in the late 1880s. And they're used to uh, do blood typing. And we actually introduce lectins in a Petri dish with people's blood and stir it around. And depending on what lectin sticks to the surface of a blood corpuscle, you're a typo or a type A, et cetera, et cetera. And so lectins were used in blood typing, and that actually was one of the principles of the blood type diet, which was a very popular diet a number of years ago. So what do lectins do? Uh, Like I mentioned, plants do not want to be eaten. They actually have a life. They were here first. Uh, They were here before animals. And if you can imagine, it was really the Garden of Eden for them because nobody wanted to eat them. Uh, when insects arrived, which was the first plant predator, uh, plants had a problem because they couldn't run, they couldn't hide, they couldn't fight, but they had a huge benefit in that they were chemists of incredible ability. So they use a number of chemical warfare or biological warfare against uh, being eaten, and lectins are right up there on the top of the list. What's interesting to me about lectins is that lectins are absolutely one of the major causes of leaky gut. Uh, 
They are absolutely one of the major causes of depression and anxiety. They are absolutely a major cause of arthritis. They are absolutely a major cause of autoimmune diseases. You choose, and heart disease, you choose the disease. I can show you data from animal or human studies that I've done that lectins contribute to that disease. So much valuable stuff here at Fire Nation. I mean, a couple things that I really want to point out, Dr. Gundry, when I was reading that I was like, this just makes so much sense because I've grown up with dogs, always have had them. And sometimes I'm like, why are my dogs eating grass until they throw up? Well, they're doing that because they want to throw up because they're feeling sick and they know the grass is going to make them do just that. So that is a purposeful maneuver by the dogs. And even more just incredibly intriguing to me was when you were talking about how certain insects will actually start eating a leaf. They'll take a few bites and then guess what? They move on to the next leaf And because why? Well, that leaf, when it feels itself having a bite or two taken out of it, is releasing these toxins. And guess what? That insect knows, hey, I have a couple bites to take here. And then if I keep eating it, I'm going to get sick. So I'm going to just take a couple bites, let the leaf do its thing, move on to the next one, take a couple bites, and so on and so forth. So it's so fascinating when you actually learn this stuff about the evolution of plants and how certain plants react and why. It just really blew me away. So what do you want to add to this whole part, Dr. Gundry? Let's talk about dogs throwing up. <laughs> yes, it's a great topic for a podcast. Yeah, so uh, Ann Wigmore, who founded the Hippocrates Institute uh, in Southern Florida, nearby you, uh, actually wanted her cancer patients to throw up. And she was actually out walk, watching dogs eating grass, and they threw up. And she says, holy cow, you know, what a great way to get my patients to throw up. So she actually invented wheatgrass to make her patients vomit. And so why would they vomit? Because it turns out the lectins in grass, uh, we've never adapted to them. We're not a cow. We're not a horse. We're basically a great ape. And we were adapted to eating certain leaves in trees, but there's never been an example of a great ape eating grasses or, for that matter, grass grains. And so they are su- we have such a violent reaction to the lectins in grass that we don't react to that uh, dogs do the same thing. They're mm-hmm. not designed to eat grass. So it's just a perfect example of your body saying, holy cow, there are some really nasty actors in here, and I better get them out of my system as quickly as possible. So we vomit. Fire Nation, one thing when I was reading, I just couldn't believe about how much I was literally learning about the evolution, A, of us, of humans, of homo sapiens, and then B, you know, just about the evolution of the fact that we haven't adapted to a lot of things, like eating grass or grass greens, as he was talking about. That's just not something that we've adapted to. And by the way, adaptation doesn't happen overnight. I mean, I don't even know if you mentioned this. I might have missed it, Dr. Gundry, but like how long does it take to adapt to something like this? I mean, is there like a a random like 10,000 year time range? (laughs) Well, I think a lot of it actually has to do with not so much our adaptation to these things, but it's actually our microbiome, the bacterial and fungal and viral community that lives inside of us. And as I talk about in The Plant Paradox, one of our major defense systems, and we have multiple defenses against lectins, after all, we got to eat something, is our microbiome. And 
it turns out that species of bacteria evolve to enjoy munching on particular lectins. And we've actually seen this play out in recent years in humans in Japan. It turns out that most humans do not have bacteria that are capable of digesting the lectins in seaweed. And believe it or not, there's lectins in seaweed. But the Japanese have been discovered to have specific bacteria that are capable of digesting the lectins in seaweed. And they've evolved those bacteria to digest those lectins. And people who don't live in Japan, interestingly, do not carry those bacteria. What's so interesting is there was a recent paper that I mentioned in the cookbook that suggests that the seaweed lectin may actually attach to the beta cell of our pancreas and be a cause of diabetes unless you have those bacteria to intercept them. So this is a very modern finding, and I'll, I'll give you another perfect example. There are actually bacteria that enjoy eating gluten and gluten happens to be a lectin. It's actually a fairly minor lectin, believe it or not, but when people go on a gluten-free diet, which is a great idea, folks, but the bacteria that eat gluten have nothing to eat, and they leave. So if then that person on the gluten-free diet is suddenly eating gluten, like, oh, you know, I think I will have this croissant today, then ordinarily they'd have some bacteria to protect them, but they're gone. And what happens to a lot of my patients is it's like a double whammy. It's like, holy cow, I cheated. And <laughs> I, am I paying for it? You know, holy cow, it was never like this before. That's because part of our defense system left the premises. Cool stuff. It is really cool stuff because there is a flip side, if I can remember, that there are actually certain plants that do want us to eat them for certain reasons, right? What are those? This was my research at Yale University for my undergraduate thesis on how you take a great ape and manipulate its blood, you know, food supply and its environment and create a human being. And I actually got an honors for it. But so we're here's a kind of a fun fact. The only animals that have color vision are actually fruit eaters. And your dog, coming back to dogs, doesn't see in color because, quite frankly, your dog could care less what color a squirrel is. <laughs> if, if, if it's moving, he wants to eat it. And, in fact, if you've ever noticed a rabbit or a squirrel as you're walking your dogs, oh, yeah. they'll, they'll freeze in place. Because the dog actually doesn't see a stationary object. He, he's looking for motion. And so uh, that's their defense system. So back to color. Plants want you primarily to eat the seeds of their babies that they have actually protected with an indigestible outer shell. And they want the fruit to be interesting to you. And they want to tell you when, number one, the sugar content in that fruit is highest. But number two, they want to tell you when that baby has the protective shell so that you won't kill the baby when you swallow it. So they use that with color. And the color they use are primarily the colors in the red and orange hue. 
Sometimes it fades over into the purple and blue, but the color they use to dissuade you is actually green. And so we use that color information to determine when that fruit is actually ripe. And as I mentioned in my books, it's fascinating that marketing of snack foods, when you go down the snack food aisles, you'll notice that almost all the coloring is in the yellow, orange, and red hues because your primate eyes actually gets a deep sense signal that this stuff is really good for me and it's ripe and I should eat it and eat as much as I can of it right now. Fire Nation, I mean, just the mind-blowing revelations that I had going through this. I mean, I literally don't look at fruit the same way anymore. I definitely don't look at grass the same way. I definitely don't look at dogs the same way anymore. That's just the reality. And now I'm not going to look at squirrels the same way because I know what they're up to (laughs) when they freeze. I didn't really know what they were doing. I'm like, are you guys just dumb? But now I get it. So if you think that value bombs have been dropped thus far, Fire Nation, more are coming up, including a little chat about Kelly Clarkson. Yes, I said Kelly Clarkson. When we get back from thanking our sponsor. Fire Nation, if you're going to create financial and lifestyle freedom, you need the right tools and support. For over four years now, I've been using ClickFunnels to create a business I love without being techie or hiring a huge team. In a nutshell, ClickFunnels gives you everything you need to market, sell, and deliver your products online without having to hire and rely on a tech team. That's why I love them. Best part, you can get a free 14-day trial right now to check it out for yourself. A few of my favorite ClickFunnels features, the simple drag-and-drop webpage editor, the ability to quickly build sales funnels that convert, the smart shopping cart with one-click upsells, email and Facebook marketing automation, and the fact that everything is organized on one simple dashboard. What's not to love? So whether you want to generate more leads, sell more products and services, run a webinar, or send more emails, ClickFunnels will make it super simple to do all that, plus so much more. Take my word for it and try ClickFunnels for free for 14 days. Make it a goal to create one funnel by the end of the week, and you'll be amazed at how simple and fun it is. Next step, visit eofire.com slash click and sign up for that free 14-day trial. That's eofire.com slash click. Your future awaits. So Dr. Gundry, we're back. And what I kind of want to move into right now are the studies that you've talked about, read, uh, written about as far as reversing disease via a lectin-free diet. And this is where my little teaser about Kelly Clarkson comes in. Chat about that example as well. In March of this year, I gave a paper at the annual American Heart Association Epidemiology and Lifestyle uh, Congress, where we took 102 patients with biomarker-proven autoimmune diseases, things like lupus, Hashimoto's, thyroiditis, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, MS, uh, psoriasis, Crohn's, uh, you name it. And we put them on our program and followed them for six months. At the end of six months, 95 of those 102 patients, that's 95, 94%, were biomarker-free of their autoimmune disease. In other words, it wasn't detectable by a blood test. They were symptom-free, and they were off of all of their immunosuppressant medications. And that actually includes me. Uh, I carried a marker for the main marker for lupus, which is anti-nuclear antibody. 
and I was able to turn it off completely. I'm now negative for that antibody. And so I'm in the study, funny enough, and I actually showed this data, including me and me specifically at the American Heart Association. And so when people say that, oh my gosh, you've got an autoimmune disease and you're going to have to take all these drugs that you see on TV every night to have a life, uh, that's just wrong. And we showed that taking lectins away from people cured these diseases. And we also showed that reintroducing these will actually make the disease reappear. And then, again, removing these lectins makes it go away. So getting back to Kelly Clarkson, I do not treat Kelly as a patient. Uh, interestingly enough, she found my book. And as anyone knows, she was struggling with her weight. And as she's told people, she was on thyroid medication for Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And she found my book. And lo and behold, she lost uh, 38 pounds wow. without, without exercising. And she still got her glass of wine every day. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it, it's allowed on the program. I love it. And uh, she came off her thyroid medication, and she no longer has Hashimoto's thyroiditis just by following the principles in the plant paradox. And she was kind enough to announce this, you know, all over the world. And uh, I think she has a couple Instagram followers last time I checked. Yeah, just a few million. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so let's get to, uh, to some specifics because Fire Nation is listening right now. Um, how do we do the lectin-free diet right? Like, let's get some specifics there. What I try to do with people is to, under is to get them to understand there's certain foods that we're just not very well evolutionary adapted to eating. And we did not eat grains or beans or pseudo grains until about 10,000 years ago when agriculture got started. And one of the reasons we didn't eat these things is that if you don't heat them and cook them, they are fairly lethal in their lectin content. Now, I'm the first to tell you that heating and cooking and soaking will definitely help, but one of the shocking things is that sprouting grains will actually increase the lectin content. Because think about this, the, the newborn little baby seed, the first little, you know, little shoot that pokes its head out, is at its most vulnerable because it's coming out of that encased shell. So it actually produces more lectins to make its predator think twice. That's why actually alfalfa sprouts have some of the highest toxins found in food. I so, wonder why they taste so bitter. Yeah. That's trying to tell you, you stupid idiot, don't <laughs> eat me. Uh, so, uh, so anyhow, we're not, we're not designed to eat grains and beans. Now, a pressure cooker will destroy all lectins except the gluten lectin. So a pressure cooker, the modern pressure cooker, you know, you push a couple buttons and you're done. It doesn't blow up in your kitchen like grandma's did. <laughs> uh, so a modern pressure cooker is a great way to go. Second in evolution, uh, 2,000 years ago, and this continues to fascinate me, northern European cows suffered a genetic mutation. They began making a protein in their milk called casein A1. The normal protein in milk is casein A2. 
It's present in southern European cows. It's present in goats, sheep, and water buffalo. And it's actually present in humans. So northern European cows, the Holstein cow, that black and white cow, is an A1 cow. And those are the troublemakers. They're actually hardier and they give more milk. So they've spread throughout the world. They're the standard cow in North America. They're the standard cow in New Zealand and in Australia. And what, unfortunately, the casein A1 molecule is a lectin-like molecule that in our gut is turned into an opioid-like compound called casein beta-morphine. And it actually attacks the beta cell of the pancreas and causes an autoimmune attack. And there was an amazing agricultural researcher from uh, New Zealand who first discovered this. He couldn't figure out why kids in New Zealand had a lot of type 1 diabetes, juvenile diabetes, you know, pristine place, all the cows are grass-fed. I mean, it's the last place you'd think that you would see this sort of disease, and yet these kids had a lot of it. So he, he started to say, gee, I wonder if it's our cow. So he did a survey of the incidence of type 1 diabetes in all countries. And lo and behold, he found a very significant association between KCNA1 cows and type 1 diabetes. And there's just been a study that's been completed in China that confirms this, that kids who drink KCNA1 milk have a much higher incidence of type 1 diabetes than KCNA2 milk drinkers. So the problem with KCNA1 is that if people think that milk gives them mucus, that milk gives them sinus issues, that milk gives them gas or bloating, it's actually not the lactose in milk that's causing it. It's casein A1. And I see this so many times. I have patients who are think they're lactose intolerant, and they go over to Italy, and they come back and say, you know, it's amazing. There is no lactose in Italian uh, gelato. Because I can eat Italian gelato all day, and then I come back here and think I'm cured, and I eat American <laughs> you know, gelato or American ice cream, and I react to the lactose. And I go, no, you moron. No, they're, they're very nice people. There's lactose <laughs> in Italian gelato, but there's casein A2 in the milk, not casein A1. And you're reacting to casein A1. And so it, we, we take casein A1 away from folks, and it's really amazing uh, how much better they get. So that's number two. Number three, probably the biggest thing that I think we give short shift to, and that is all of us in the world are actually not from America. We're from Africa, Asia, or Europe. And so all of us Americans are, were never exposed to a plant from North or South America until Colombian trade started 500 years ago. And getting to know a new lectin that we have never encountered uh, is, in 500 years is, is kind of speed dating in evolution. And I don't think it can be done. And unfortunately, some of our favorite foods are... North or South American lectin-containing foods. They're 
corn, for instance. They're quinoa. They're the nightshade family. That includes potatoes, eggplant, tomatoes, peppers, and even the beloved goji berry. Goji berries are not from China. They're from America. They're called the wolf berry in America. And they were taken to China in trade where they actually flourish. And then there's the two beans that everybody thinks are nuts from North, from America. Peanuts are a legume and cashews are a bean. They're not a nut at all. And peanuts and cashews have some really nasty lectins that That was kind of devastating for me by the way, the the cashew I thing. I know. But I guess know. what? I've moved I've moved to macadamia nuts because of you. Perfect. Perfect. You And the macadamia nut is perfectly safe because the macadamia, macadamia nut, like most true nuts, are enclosed in an impenetrable shell. And so the plant says, ha, 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 you can't get to my baby. <laughs> so I don't have to arm my baby to the teeth to prevent you from eating it. Now, it had no idea that, you know, where you're going to invent a hammer. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's it's fascinating. Uh, you know, I used to, back to squirrels, I used to study squirrels. And, you know, why the heck does a squirrel go and bury all those nuts? You know, stupid squirrel, you know, you're going to forget where they are. Well, the plant never anticipated that their predator would be smart enough to basically soak their nuts in soil mm. for a year. And soften up the hard outer outer covering, and you know, even if he f forgets where half of them are, he's still a big winner in the next year. <laughs> I mean, Fire Nation, this is just a few of the things that are going to blow your mind, and it's, sometimes it's these tiny little shifts, like me going from eating, you know, a quarter cup of cashews a day to a quarter cup of macadamias a day can make a massive impact positively for me over the course of days, weeks, months, years. And that's kind of what I want to really finish up with, Dr. Gundry, is your take on supplements. I remember when you were on the Lewis Howell show, you were talking about how you hated supplements. I don't want to say you hated supplements. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that you didn't really necessarily believe in them, that supplements just made for really expensive pee and things along those lines. Yep. But you have shifted your mind Mindset. So talk to us about what you think the key supplements are for us to take for longevity. Yeah, I, I literally used to think that this stuff was junk. But with the sophisticated blood tests that we now have available to us, I can actually tell when somebody has actually changed a brand of supplements and it actually shocks my patients. I can tell when they've cut back, when they, you know, when they're doing great and they go, how did you know? You know, I, I ran out, you know, three weeks ago and I said, yeah, it's right here. And they go, oh my gosh, you know, you, you, you wizard. You. <laughs> so here's the deal. Every human being should be taking vitamin D3. And I think as a general principle, a good place to start is 5,000 international units a day. There's a very good study that was done in humans a few years ago that found that there was no toxicity yet found in humans taking 40,000 international units a day of vitamin D3. And this study actually suggested that the average amount a human being should take is 9,600 international units. 
I, per, I have not seen vitamin D toxicity, and I've been at this a long time. I have patients who routinely run their vitamin Ds of two levels of 270 nanograms per deciliter. I personally run mine greater than 120 for the last 11 years to prove I'm not dead, and I'm not. I'm speaking to you alive. <laughs> really- There's a really cool study that shows in humans – that the humans who have the highest levels of vitamin D levels have the longest telomeres. And one of the theories of aging is the longer your telomeres, those little things stuck on the end of your chromosomes, the longer you're going to live. So hear this again. People with the highest levels of vitamin D have the longest telomeres. If you want to live longer, keep your vitamin D up. Now, real quick question on that before we move on. So I live out here in the Caribbean, so I'm below the 37th parallel. Um, I really focus on getting at least 30 minutes of morning sun every single morning. Is that as critical for me? Does Is that vitamin yes. D from the sun? Okay, it is. Can we, can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah, because once you get a tan, you'll stop absorbing vitamin D. Oh, and I am tan right now. Darn yeah, I, I see so many of my patients assume that they can get enough sun from, I mean, vitamin D from the sun. And, you know, Joseph McCullough and I have become friends. And Joe walks basically two hours every day in a Speedo on the beach because he can. <laughs> um, and he keeps telling everybody to get their vitamin D from the sun. And I said, Joe, you know, you live in Fort Lauderdale. You know, you got year-round sun. Yeah. And the guy in Chicago is not going to walk on Lake Michigan two hours every day in the middle of winter, uh, even though it's frozen. So I said, that's impractical. And he runs his vitamin D only about 60 to 70. And I actually think, particularly with people with autoimmune disease or leaky gut, vitamin D is getting a getting your vitamin D level up around 100 is critical to help seal your gut. And what's the best test to run to really uh, identify where your vitamin D is at? So just to have them, anybody can run a vitamin D level on you. It's about an $8 test. Any doc can run it for you. So, Dr. Gundry, we have a lot of directions that we can go with this, but let's kind of maybe talk about one or two more really key supplements that you think are are really important for Fire Nation to be looking into. Okay, second supplement is some form of fish oil, whether it's algae-based DHA, if you're a vegan or vegetarian, or a high-quality fish oil, and the, the stuff you're looking for in fish oil is you look on the back of the label and you look at DHA, capital D, capital H, capital A. And it turns out that your brain is about 70% fat. And so if you're in an argument with a friend and want to call him a fat ad, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll back you. So half of the fat in your brain is DHA. So your brain, you know, is half DHA. And there's some gorgeous studies now in longevity that people who have the highest, what's called the omega-3 index, which looks at DHA and EPA, the other long-chain omega-3 fats, over a two-month period, people who have the highest omega-3 index as they age have the biggest brains and the biggest areas of memory called the hippocampus. And here's the scary part. People who have the lowest EPA, uh, omega-3 index, have the most shrunken brains and, and the smallest areas of memory. And for my, my vegan friends, and I have lots of vegan friends, and I take care of lots of vegans because of my experience at Loma Linda University as a professor, 
vegans, when they walk through the door, have almost undetectable omega-3 indexes because they've been thinking that they can take flaxseed, which is a short-chain omega-3 fat, and convert it into long-chain omega-3 fats, EPA and DHA, and they do not. We are not salmon. We are not fish. We do not have the enzyme system to accomplish this. And the wonderful thing for vegans and vegetarians is you can get algae-based DHA. There's about, gosh, I don't know, 12 companies now that make it. So there's no excuse for my vegan friends or vegetarians not to have big brains and big areas of memory. So vitamin D3, some type of fish oil, omega-3 fats, look for the DHA on the back, Fire Nation. That's key. And is there one other one you want to chat about? Yeah. So polyphenols, my probably favorite subject besides lectins. So polyphenols <laughs> are, are plant compounds that are actually made by the plant uh, primarily as a defense against sunburn. And so polyphenols uh, are, we now know, eaten by our friendly bacteria. And they're changed into bioactive compounds that are probably some of the most important factors in reverse aging or preventing aging there is. We all know that polyphenols can paralyze the ability of bacteria to take some of the meats that we eat and prevent those meats from being made into a compound that damages our blood vessels, which actually explains why the Mediterranean diet, uh, people can eat meats or salamis and not die of heart disease like we do here in the West. So more polyphenols, the better. Where do you find polyphenols? One of the best sources is extra virgin olive oil, first cold pressed. You can find a great variety at Costco that comes out of Tuscany, Italy. I've actually toured the plant. You can get some great American olive oils at Trader Joe's. There's a good American olive oil company called California Olive Ranch. The more olive oil you eat, the better. In fact, as you may know, one of my favorite sayings is the only purpose of <laughs> yes. food is to get olive oil into your mouth. I love that. I actually showed my girlfriend, Kate, that quote. I'm like, see, that's why I'm dumping this olive oil. Now, quick question. Costco has a brand called Kirkland that is like first cold pressed, but it doesn't say organic on it. Do you have any idea about Kirkland and the quality on that? Get the Kirkland one that's got the Toscana label. It's the square tall bottle. Okay. In Italy, organic, the certification for organic is hard to get. And what happens is a lot of small producers absolutely can't uh, get the organic certification because it's too costly. But nobody fertilizes all olive trees or sprays olive trees in Italy. In fact, the Italians, because of the pest in olive trees uh, over the last five years, there's been two outbreaks. Rather than spraying for those pests, they'll just throw the olives away that year and mm. wait for next year. Wow. They're that they're that fastidious about it. So if it says the Toscano on it, we're good. Yep. Yeah, you're good. Cool. It's actually, it's 
it's a great olive oil. Yeah, I love it. And so I'm really glad to hear that. Well, listen, we could talk all day about this great stuff. And of course, you know, in the intro, Dr. Gundry, I talked all about your books, The Plant Paradox and The Plant Paradox Cookbook and how it's become a big part of my life. And I'm really excited to have you on here today. It was actually a pretty cool uh, thing is that I, I reached out to your assistant and I was like, oh, I'd love to have Dr. Gundry on. She's like, hey, we emailed you a year ago and you ignored us. And I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't Oops. know how awesome he was back then, <laughs> but now I know. So it was really cool to have you on. And um, why don't you maybe take just a minute? I'm going to pass the mic over to you and share maybe one major takeaway that you want to make sure our listeners get from all that we talked about today. The major takeaway, and I'm going to talk to your female listeners. Um, I've learned through the years now, uh, and I should have known because, you know, I have a wife and two daughters, that if a female, if you female listeners think you have a problem, you need to find a practitioner who is actually going to take you seriously. This is not in your mind. You're not crazy. You're not normal, all your labs are normal and you're just crazy. There is something going on and you got to find a person like a functional medicine doc who will take you seriously. There are good tests now to find out that you actually are not crazy. And really you guys have a gut sense of when something's wrong. And the medical profession, uh, speaking as one of those people, ignored you for many, many years because, quite frankly, we were trained to ignore you. To this day, believe it or not, if a woman coming in with chest pain in the emergency room has a female physician, she's much more likely to have a heart attack diagnosed properly than if she had a male physician who will wow. dismiss her claims. Yeah, it's a new paper that just came out. That's really scary stuff. The sisterhood has got, this is the Me Too movement in medicine. You've got to take power over your medical health and you've got to insist that somebody listens to you. They're out there. You just got to find them. Fire Nation, you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. And you've been hanging out with Dr. G and JLD today. So keep up the heat and head over to eofire.com. Just type Dr. Gundry in the search bar and his show notes page is going to pop up with everything that we've been talking about today. I mean, timestamps, links galore to his books, to his store, to his website. It's all going to be there. And Dr. Gundry, if you could just send our listeners to one place to learn more about you, where would that be? Go to GundryMD.com. You can sign up for my daily newsletter. You can read my blogs. Uh, also, GundryMD YouTube channel. We have a complete channel of all sorts of health tips. I cook recipes, all my recipes in my books mm. I, de- I designed. And it's kind of fun to watch me cook. <laughs> it's fun to watch you cook. Well, Dr. Gundry, thank you. Honestly, thank you for sharing your truth, your experience with Fire Nation today. And for that, we salute you and we'll catch you on the flip side. All right. Thanks for having me. Hey, Fire Nation. Hope you enjoyed our chat with Dr. Gundry today. And if you don't have your North Star, if you don't know what your big idea is, you're going to struggle, period. Successful entrepreneurs have their big idea and they crush it. They go all in. Fire Nation, I want you to have that. So take my free training. You're going to have your big idea in a very short period of time. Thousands and thousands of people have done this. Join the tribe over at yourbigidea.io. 
yourbigidea.io. It is free. I would love for you to do that. So take care and I'll see you on the flip side. Fire Nation, it's time to create financial and lifestyle freedom. So take action today and sign up for your free 14-day trial of ClickFunnels. As a reminder, ClickFunnels gives you everything you need to market, sell, and deliver your products online without having to hire or rely on a tech team. Visit eofire.com slash click. That's eofire.com slash click. Your future awaits.